Hey there, creatives. Thanks so much for your continued listenership. I'm super excited to bring this next episode in the Voices from the Expressive Therapy Summit series. And this is a 2022 um, series for the Los Angeles event. And today I'm sharing an interview with uh, two uh, professors and faculty at um, who teach at the California Institute of Integral Studies or CIIS in their Expressive Arts Therapy Master's program. And um, originally it was supposed to be three of the core faculty, but due to technology, timing, scheduling, et cetera, it just didn't work out. And I was going to try and splice it all together and make it work that way, but it just, that wasn't working out either. So we decided to break it up in two parts uh, so that there was clarity in the interviews. Um, But you might hear us make mention of their colleague and refer to their colleague, Dr. Mimi Savage in this episode, but um, that interview will come in another separate episode. So without further ado, uh, here we go. The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative-focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed, using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities, and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi. Thanks for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist podcast. I'm your host, Raina Lombardi, and I'm really excited to welcome my next two guests today. I'd like to introduce Danielle Drake, PhD. Uh, She is an associate professor and program chair of the Counseling Psychology Expressive Arts Therapy Master's Program at the California Institute of Integral Studies. She received her PhD in clinical psychology from Fielding Graduate University and developed and conducted an initial validation of the Black Spiritual Creativity Scale. Danielle uses liberatory informed theoretical approach that incorporates womanist, Black feminist, and Black African-centered psychologies with narrative therapy, emotion-focused therapy, and contemplative practices. She is the co-author of the chapter, Womanism, Creativity and Resistance, published in the American Psychological Association's Womanist and Mujerista Psychologies, Voice of Fire, Acts of Courage. A spoken word artist, she is a former Oakland Poetry Slam champion and author of Cast Iron Life, a collection of poems and recipes. And along with her is Shoshana Simmons. She is also a PhD, an RDT, a drama therapist, voice actor, 
poor faculty and the former chair of the Expressive Arts Therapy Program at CIIS in San Francisco, where she integrates expressive arts into teaching systemic approaches to family therapy. She is the founder of Key Life Academy, providing coaching and training for educators and human service workers, and is on the faculty at the Northwest Creative and Expressive Arts Institute in Washington. Shoshana has been innovating the NAIR Artive Expressive Arts Therapy Approach at CIIS since 2008. She has facilitated Tree of Life and Laundry of Life workshops with families in San Francisco, the USA, Shanghai, China, therapists and social workers in the UK and Brazil, and LGBT communities in the USA and uses these tools for community building within the Expressive Arts Therapy Program at CIIS. Welcome, both of you. Thank you so much for making the time to speak with me today. Great to be speaking with you. Yes, thank you so much for this opportunity. I. I'm excited to talk with you both um, about your individual work, but also about your collaborative work um, that you're doing together. And if it's okay, um, can I start with you, Danielle, um, with your background in clinical psychology? How oh, did sure. you find yourself moving into the realm of expressive arts? Um, I, it was kind of a roundabout <laughs> circuitous path. I feel like I've always been, um, immersed in, um, the arts, um, in my family. Um, the arts is part of our language. I think, um, there was never a time when I wasn't creating something, learning how to sew in the garden, moving, dancing, whatever. It's just like the language of my family. Mm -hmm. And um, I found myself uh, living in Oakland, California um, in the early 2000s and just noticing that there were so many girls who just needed some additional support. And so I started a, um, a community-based organization at the time called Creation Cocoon for Girls. And we taught girls empowerment through the creative arts. And this was before I had gotten into the field. And as the program started to um, just the girls liked the program. It started to expand and they started telling me trauma narratives. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this. And so I started looking for um, some sort of counseling training. And then I stumbled upon the master's program at CIIS and expressive arts therapy. And I was like, this is what I do. This is how I live. <laughs> and so I ended up doing the, the master's program there and then realized I was like, oh my goodness, I actually really like psychology. And so I ended up uh, applying to a clinical psychology PhD program. And mm -hmm. so it just was sort of an intuitive path for me. It was not planned in any way. <laughs> Sounds like it, it had a plan for you and, mm -hmm. um, and you didn't know it. 
And it That's right. Along. It did. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. And Shoshana, tell us a little bit about how you got started in the field as a drama therapist and um, kind of your evolution to where you are. Yeah, this is such a great question. And it's and it's so good to just be listening to Danielle's story because it's almost like a flip of her story. Although, of course, our stories are so intersecting. Um, but I was trained as I'm from the UK. You can probably tell from my accent, although people always think I'm from Australia or South Africa. But I'm originally from London and I was trained there as a therapist. And I came, I've been in the U US since 1990. I came to do an internship at the Stone Center at Wellesley College, which was transformative for me. Um, and I, I had no idea what, what, how amazing that was gonna be, but I ended up teaching at Goddard College in Vermont mm -hmm. for many, many, many years in their counseling psychology program, um, which was also such an incredible gift. And um, I only had a master's degree at that time and they required us to get a, a doctorate in order to continue teaching. And um, I, at that point thought, what do I see myself doing in 10 years? Do I really wanna be a therapist? And I thought, no, I don't. I don't, I don't wanna do a clinical psychology degree, <laughs> the reverse. And I moved in towards leadership and uh, social change. And I did my PhD in human and organizational systems and but my work kept pulling me back to um, human services and therapy. I worked. I went back to the Stone Center and worked running a, a social emotional learning program called Open Circles, the training director for many years. And then through that, um, was participating in training through that with an incredible company in Boston called the Ariel Group, who were a group of actors that were training, um, training us using drama therapy skills and acting skills to become um better better facilitators and leaders and through that you know circuitous route found drama therapy basically <laughs> found that they were all affiliated with a particular drama therapy school in um in the boston area the amiga transpersonal drama therapy program and i ended up going to to learn to be a drama therapist in support of doing systems change work so that's what pulled me back into the therapy field. And I think it's the only thing that could because um, the, 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 because of the transformative power of drama therapy and expressive arts. Mm, amazing. You had uh, like a lot of awesome experiences. I know from my time at Leslie, people spoke so highly of both the Stone Center and Goddard College um, and what great formative experiences. I just feel like I have a guardian angel, you know, that guides me to these, on this path, which is another intersection with Dr. Drake here. That That's wonderful that um, there is that intersection. Danielle, would you mind sharing a little bit with me and with the audience about womanism and its role in the work that you do with clients and how it informs the work yeah. that, you, that you do with clients? Absolutely. Um, so I work at a, a community agency called um, Rafiki Coalition, and it um, services primarily the um, 
dwindling Black community in uh, San Francisco. Gentrification has mm -hmm. run rampant in San Francisco. And so um, the Black community there is um, uh, sort of locked in to um, small communities that are often food deserts and, you know, uh, have uh, less access to some of the opportunities that are booming in the city, uh, particularly around tech. And so um, I actually work with, I have a caseload uh, of, that is primarily Black women. And um, this is a really, working from a womanist standpoint, um, really focuses on self-definition, primarily because so much of how Black women are seen and operate in the United States has historically um, been subjected to a gaze that is not our own. So we've had uh, whiteness and patriarchy telling us who we should be, how we should show up, um, providing us value um, in, in terms of, you know, what is important and none of it has fit our lives, who we are, what we value, all of that. And so um, a womanist position is really centered around self-definition and the ability to um, celebrate Black womanhood as a, as a uh, point of primary focus rather than filtering it through a bunch of other lenses. And so when we look at this, we're able to see ourselves for ourselves and evaluate uh, whether or not our lives and our goals match up with what we decide we want versus what society says that we should want. Mm, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really empowering because often when I'm working with clients, it's the first time that anyone has talked to them about this particular stance and just working and, and it's a breath of fresh air. People feel relieved to be working in this way. They feel like they can just show up and be themselves if they don't have to try and um, check certain parts of their selves at the door the way that we have to in a lot of different spaces. Yeah. And um, that in and of itself is liberating, it's empowering, it allows us to access our whole brain versus like shutting off this part and that part in order to just get through because we're so busy code switching and, and mm -hmm. um, contorting ourselves in order to show up, we can just be ourselves because there's no one else telling us who and what we can be. So within this, within the therapeutic space, I use poetry and music. And um, I even incorporate a lot of, you know, sort of uh, 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 other kinds of spiritual tools I use astrology, I use tarot, like a bunch of different things in order to break us out of the cycles that we've been used to operating in, trying to fit into the, the places in society where it's okay for us to show up. Instead, what we do is we take a look from all of these various creative places and say, 
where do we want to show up? And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It's about how we think about ourselves and whatever it is that we defined for ourselves. Now we can show up confidently with words and be able to articulate who we are without, you know, it coming from some other lens. Beautiful. That sounds like really rewarding work too. Um, yeah. as a practitioner to be able to guide people to that, like authenticity about themselves. Yeah. And it's, and it's really so much about permission, mm-hmm. like getting permission to just be yourself, which sounds like extremely simple, but it is not, especially yeah. for women who have been told This is what you should be. This is how you should be your entire life. And a lot of it is generational. And so there are, it's an undoing of all of these different narratives and scripts um, that we, you know, just look at piece by piece, one by one and say, oh, where did that story come from? Where did that script come from? And then being able to check in with ourselves from an emotion Uh, our feelings-based place to be able to say, is this something that actually resonates with me? Do I like this? Would I want to change it? Um, Having to show up for everybody. And that is the standard that you show up for everybody else first. And then maybe way back in the furthest back burner, you might be able to carve out a piece for yourself. And um, generally speaking, um, that has not been helpful for us. It's actually put us in a place where our um, physical and mental health has been uh, at risk yeah. the entire time. And so um, working with women to prioritize themselves over their families, mm. over whatever else, what, whatever other priorities are on their plates, that has been the most liberating work because mm. the thing that I'm always um, reminding my clients is that this whole pie doesn't work without you. Yeah. And so if you aren't at your best, then you can't give your best to everybody who's asking for that help. Absolutely. And so it is, um, it is incredibly important important and rewarding work. And uh, the women I'm working with are, they're learning. And I can see those moments of recognition or they'll say, yeah, I was going to say yes to this thing that someone asked me to do, but then I heard your voice, Danielle. And I remembered that I have to prioritize myself (laughs) And, and they're learning how to say no and to push back and to set boundaries and, and to uh, prioritize rest as an act of, of um, resistance. Mm -hmm. It's incredible work. That's beautiful. It sounds incredible and rewarding and powerful um, for sure. And yeah, there's so many societal messages that need unpacking for people to be able to thrive and kind of dissecting the difference between um, selfishness 
and selflessness yes. where oftentimes I think it was like a bait and switch, right? Where uh, we were told that we we're being selfish uh, for, you know, requesting that time that we needed to do our own work on ourselves and take care of ourselves. And really, mm-hmm. um, it is really a selfless thing that we're doing and modeling for the next generation of women that it is okay. And not only is it okay, but it's really important for you to do that. So, and I, and I have to also say that um, my caseload is primarily women over 40, which this is huge in terms of um, having access to therapy, going to therapy, that kind of thing. We're talking about uh, folks who are Gen X, baby boomers and beyond. My oldest client is 83 years old. And so, and so a lot of what I'm teaching them through the act of therapy are things that I've been learning from millennials and Gen Z. (laughs) So it's this really interesting sort of um, cross-generational learning that's happening. um, Because I think millennials and Gen Z have it. They already know. They're like, no, I'm not doing this extra work. I've seen, you know, my mother and her mother like bent over backwards on their knees trying to to support everyone. And they're just saying no. And so I'm working with this this older generation, like, hey, you know that there's a new way to do things. <laughs> and that's been really rewarding and fun. I mean, um, I think it adds a particular level of vibrance back into their lives. They start to see themselves differently. I have this one client who showed up on screen and she had this like brand new hairdo and it was so, and it was um, vibrant and it made her like, look the way that she is starting to feel on the inside young and vibrant and she's in her Mm. 60s and I just um I love it I love to see people claim reclaiming their lives and getting their lives back and seeing that they've got like this whole new chapter that they can live regardless of what anyone has said Yeah, I can, I can tell in your, you can hear the joy in your voice um, and the passion that you have for the work that you do. Um, It's just really cool. Yeah, it's super fun. And Shoshana, can you share a little bit about your NAIR art of approach that you use in the work that you do with families and training other therapists and beyond? (laughs) Yes. Well, this is, yeah, narrative. It sort of came to me that that's what it was, that the art stands out of the narrative. And that um, I was trained as a, I, I love narrative therapy. The, I was trained in narrative therapy back in the day when I lived on the East Coast um, and was very fortunate to train with Michael White before he passed, um, which was an incredible gift, but also got to work with some incredible folks, narrative folks. There's a very large community up in Vermont where I lived. And we used to create these by us, for us conferences, you know, for ourselves. There were conferences for us. And it taught me so much about the, the intrinsic wisdom, knowledge and skills that communities have mm-hmm. as insiders. And how do we 
promote how what what are some ways of bringing out that seeding and then watering and nurturing that knowledge and wisdom to bring it out into the open everyone has it um narrative therapy is so much about this idea of story um which is you know intrinsic to therapy anyway it's all about you know transforming our story and some of the specific powerful features of narrative therapy can get lost i think in that idea that therapy is about story because what differentiates for me narrative therapy from all the other amazing approaches and they all have value i teach theories and practices i teach therapeutic communication they are all have value but the missing element for me that's intrinsic to narrative therapy is the idea that social systems um affect are deeply embedded in our narratives oh my gosh um, yes yeah that was a transformative um kind of idea for me and that all theories have to be viewed through the lens of who's looking through them right who created those theories if you use a particular theory how will it shape the kind of narrative that the client is going to to um, take up about themselves so this in in and i'm looking daniel and i both teach by the way teach narrative we're both part of that and we are in the process as it so happens a little plug of writing a book about our narrative work this third thing that we're creating um but what's unique about narrative is um the inclusion of the power of the arts bringing the arts into the retelling of stories um, of in, in assisting folks to find their own narrative, their own subordinated story, as we say, this the submerged one, the one that wants to find its way up to to the sunlight. We know it's there. We know it's in our clients, and narrative therapy gives us the tools to be able to bring that through. And the arts are like the cauldron. Right, you know, the cauldron of creativity, the silent place, the colorful dark place, you know, that it's all happening in and allows that to come through. So it's very exciting to do that. And um, we've been so doing it for so many years with our students primarily. You know, the, the, the EXA program, Expressive Arts Therapy program at CIS has been such a incredible gift to bring narrative therapy and then narrative therapy, give it a home um, in our program. And it's become something of, it's not just a therapy practice, it's the way it undergirds how we run our program. Mm -hmm. um, we trust our students' knowledge, skills, and intrinsic wisdom. We introduce them to these practices. It teaches them a foundation of deep respect for the clients that they're gonna be serving. Um, this is non-expert and in these times of the pandemic in in particular the emphasis on collective wisdom having tools that really allow us facilitate us to be able to bring the wisdom out through creative means within a whole group or community are profound um, and I've used this in many different settings now, but one that stands out for me was an opportunity that I had to train um, to do some live training in Shanghai a few years ago with a group of therapists. And it was like we had a, I was training 17 therapists in doing a, a collective arts practice with Tree of Life practice, which was not our invention. Uh, it, shout out to, um, I can, I'm gonna really spoil her name. I can't do the 
Cosa Click Nkube in in South Africa, who created the Tree of Life approach, which we have we use. We trained um, seventeen uh, therapists in Shanghai live with uh, ten families live. We had all the families together, and、oh. they got to work together within their family system. And then within the whole community, creating their own trees of life and their own family forests of life and their own community forest of life, with children up from the ages of five to to fourteen,、um, just spoke to the power of these practices, and we've also been using them as a program、uh, to support human service organisations that. You know, are very thinly resourced and are working with folks who are really disempowered by the system, systemically、yes. in the Bay Area, using them through these joyous practices to to bring out their collective wisdom, to revivify them. You know, to bring them back to life, to sustain for sustaining.、Mm. Yeah, that sounds like it was such an、um, a rich. Experience for everybody that got to participate in that communal、um, program. Your training that you were talking about in Shanghai—that's、um, like such a rarity to be able to work with that many people and that many families all together. I think it echoes back to the early days of family therapy. Probably some of that sort of multi-family therapy used to happen, but it strikes me as much as a cultural issue as anything else.、Mm-hmm. Um, I know that, for example, in Brazil, community therapy is far more of a, a normative thing. You know, sharing po- sharing one's problems. This sort of privatization of problems is so toxic. And in、yeah. this moment, where it's so clear that so many families are impacted by COVID, no matter what, yes, it's a different experience depending on class, race, etc., access, age. However, and right, it's a common feature. How can we, how can we use this moment to normalize that it's okay to be in need, and、mm-hmm. and it's okay to share across. Our differences bring people together across our differences with a common theme, at you know such as how are we surviving the pandemic, and because of our differences that they become the resource for for mutuality and growth and reciprocity. Yeah, we love. <laughs> yeah, I love that, and that's the amazing thing about group work. Um, is as the facilitator, you're kind of there and making sure things are running smoothly. But the participants are the ones that are really like helping one another, and that's so cool to watch and such a gift for them to be able to embody that role of, you know, being being the helper, especially if they felt really disempowered and and. Have internalized、um, scripts of, you know, not enoughness. Yes.、Um, yeah. Very cool. And so, can you share a little bit、um, about how the two of you collaborate together? I know you talked, you you mentioned that you're writing a book about the narrative approaches and the narrative approaches that you use, and that、um, kind of buttress the entire model of how you run your graduate program. Um, but can you share a little bit more about how the two of you collaborate? 
the first thing that jumps into mind, it's like, where does it start? Danielle and I actually started in the program at the same on the same day. I came in as program chair, 2008, <laughs> 2008. Yeah, and I came in as a student in 2008. So it was the same day. And so our path, just like once they hit, it was like we were entwined. Um, oh, that's I just, so cool. Yeah, yeah. I just remember that when I met Shoshana, there was something about her where I felt like, oh, I've known her forever. And we just would have these conversations, even as students, like through, you know, the student teacher relationship. Um, I would have conversations with her through my work that I never got a chance to have with anybody. And so it just created this way of us like sharing ideas, like right from the start. Yeah. And then Danielle, it was, you know, synchronicity, whatever, magic, conjure. <laughs> she conjured up, spirit conjured for her, us, the opportunity for her at a time of big transition in our program, actually, at a pivotal time, um, we were looking for um, a teaching assistant who could teach a number, teaching assist a number of classes to ensure that there was integration. And Danielle stepped into that role. And through stepping into that role of TAing all these classes, she, her, her, her knowledge across the program as a whole became invaluable to us. Mm -hmm. So it was very organic, really, that Danielle sort of moved up to being <laughs> and into that role. And then when, once she graduated, just a by chance conversation, she was talking with us about, do we have any suggestions for her for, for a doctoral program? And, um, you know, it sort of just went from there that, you know, I don't know, she went onto the doctoral program route, she became an adjunct for us. And then it was a no brainer that she should become core faculty in the program. And then last year, I, I had been dying to step out of the role, but, you know, and bring Danielle in. And this was very intentional. We, we very intentionally had a succession plan uh, for Danielle to step in. But we did it through the through a narrative process. We had a beautiful leadership transition ceremony using these narrative witnessing practices, and we did it all on Zoom. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's amazing! It was great. It was great. Um, and uh, through that process, using a narrative process, um, I was able to create my my own sort of tree of um, that represented my tree that I wanted to sort of cultivate as program chair. And so it was both personal, but then it was also um, focused out on uh, the larger uh, EXA or um, expressive arts graduate community that we serve. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yes, we use these tools and practices for everything, literally, um, in our program committee meetings, we use the arts to process a, a challenge that we might be having, so that we can have access to more than just, mm -hmm. you know, the the standard resource mm -hmm. that we rely on each other. That it is collaborative and community based, and that this is how we work and we work together and that we wanted to find a way to bring these practices together in a book 
um, that we're co-editing together. <laughs> now, it sounds like it's going to be an amazing resource, especially if, you, um, if you're providing information on how other people can integrate the, these approaches within the administrative and the systemic parts of the work, which is often the really challenging places in the, where we work in mental health, right? Um, It's the place where people often feel the most stuck, the least amount of life and vibrance, feeling like they have limited options. And so the, our work serves to tell another story about that. I love that. That is so cool. And I'm assuming since you're editing the book, you're having other um, narrative therapists contribute as well. Do you have an expectation of kind of expected publishing date for your book? Well, I'm on sabbatical, you know, doing the like most of the like preliminary legwork on it now. Um, hopefully, uh, well, our timeline is to have every have all the writing done and sort of ready to go by the end of the year, and then we're we're working on publishers at the same time. So that's wonderful. Twenty twenty three. I'm putting it out there. Twenty twenty three. When when you when you finish the book you must um, share with me so I can add it to the show notes. So if people are listening later on, um, they can find where to purchase it and and learn from the two of you. And um, obviously one of the reasons why we're talking today is because there's another opportunity for people to learn from you both, um, which will be at the upcoming 2022 uh, Expressive Therapy Summit held in Los Angeles. And um, Shoshana, would you mind sharing uh, what you're going to be teaching therapists um, about there? Well, I mentioned um, the collective arts practices. I've mentioned just now the um, tree of life, but what I'm going to be doing is um, introducing uh, experientially an approach that actually Danielle and I co-created called the laundry of life that we created in very intentionally to work with a specific community that was uh, in need of some energy, you know, and um, they, they, they ran a lot of after school services and family support services in the San Francisco Bay Area. And we were working with the staff. Actually, we worked with it was designed to work with every member of the system from the folks that did the security folks on the door the folks that worked in the kitchen all the way up to the program manager participated in this um, initiative and it centers around the idea of everyone having wisdom that we can bring out through a process of creating these items of clothing we create these little items of clothing that we decorate with our gems of wisdom Mm. and then it's, there's many levels of this, so this is just the highlight, but it culminates in us creating a washing line in the space. And each person gets to hang their wisdom, share their wisdom and hang it up on the line. And it becomes a, it becomes resources for everyone. And it also works with the sort of it reversing a metaphor that exists, an adage that exists in many different cultures that we're not supposed to air our dirty laundry, right? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> 
that yes we are our laundry should be done together communally and women let's go back to that womanist idea we're gonna air our laundry together we're not going to be silenced right mm -hmm. yeah we air it together and share it together mm -hmm. secrets keep us sick Exactly. the motto I share all the time with clients mm -hmm. right that we we yeah. have to we have to, yeah. to speak our truth and mm -hmm. let it be known exactly. yeah. yeah love so, that yeah, come on and visit this workshop if you're ready to be there at the washing line <laughs> yes and it's such a beautiful process the um the the ritual of each person going up and sharing their wisdom and hanging it on the wisdom washing line it is powerful in a really unexpected way and people are often emotional in ways that they're not intending or expecting mm -hmm. but it's because of the power of the arts in community like mm -hmm. that is yeah one of the core pieces of that particular process Beautiful. It sounds amazing. And I have the, the title of your workshop written down, Shoshana, Narrative Intermodal Arts for Problem Solving and Resilience in Turbulent Times. And if you're interested in attending that, that will be on March 25th, 2022. And it's a three-hour workshop at the LA event. Um, and Danielle, um, what are you going to be teaching people about? Sure. Um, I have developed uh, this process called uh, Creative Conjure. And it's just this way of finding the magic that we feel like can be lost in our lives sometimes. Often we're just like in a rut doing just doing our schedule doing what we always do we've got to go here we got to do this for that person this for work this for our children whoever right and that people get caught in these ruts in these places where they don't know how to break out and they can feel themselves dying a little bit on the inside mm. and people would come to me, to my sessions, we might be having conversations out and about whatever and feeling like, oh, I just wish I had like a spark, something mm -hmm. to jumpstart me so that I could start thinking differently. And that's what this workshop does. It is designed to break you out of the, the normal routine, get you thinking differently, even about arts materials. I mean, we mm. use everything. We use spices, we use feathers, we use <laughs> whatever is at hand. And that's the beauty of it. It's not about like finding like the right color paint or whatever. No, it's what do you have in your house? Mm. What do you have in your house that you could think about differently that could then spark another process for you, another way of thinking about life, another way of thinking through a situation where you feel stuck. Mm. And so it's about getting out of that and being able to access another part of yourself, but doing it in community because we think better in community. We have a little motto in our program where we say, I don't know, but together we do. And it is just that, that you may be stuck, but if you put yourself in there with like five other heads, somebody is going to say something that will spark 
an idea and then using the arch, you can flush it out to and, and expand on the idea and allow it to um, create a new way of thinking for you. And I always say this, that change happens in two ways. It happens in an instant and over time. And it's like that moment when you, when an idea clicks in your mind so clearly and you can't go back to the way that you were thinking before, because now you know differently, that's what we're doing in this program and in this um, workshop, we're creating something completely new. Now that sounds amazing and beautiful. And I absolutely love the, the quote that you shared about how you talk about it in your program. I don't know, but together we do. That yes. is so profound. It's that's going to be the, that's the working title for the, for our narrative, narrative book. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. It's, it's awesome. And so Danielle, I have your title for your workshop too, and that's going to be conjuring connection and joy in difficult times through creativity and spiritual intention. Yes. Um, which will be on March 26th, 2022 yes. in, yes. um, in LA. And that's also, uh, three hours. And so if people, if, if listeners, if you're interested, which I would highly recommend you attend the summit, if you haven't already, um, check out their work. It's www.expressivetherapysummit.com. There you can click on the LA event and you'll be able to click on program and you'll be able to see um, their workshops and sign up for their workshops uh, amongst many, many, many other um, amazing trainings that are being offered there. And um, yeah, if people wanted to reach out to you to learn more about what you do, um, where can they find you and where can they find more about the amazing program that you are, you know, training grad students at? Uh -huh. Sure. So um, to reach me, you can email at uh, drake at ciis.edu. Um, and uh, the, the, it's a, it's sort of a long, um, it's a long web, uh, web mm -hmm. address. But if you just type in these words into Google, you'll get it, which is CIIS and then expressive arts therapy. If you type that in, then you will get to our, um, your website, you'll get to our website and, um, and that website tells you everything that you need to know really about our program. It will also link you to, um, uh, signing up for an info session. If you found that you wanted to, you know, learn more about the program in, uh, towards applying. So. Wonderful. Yeah. And I'll put the full link, uh, the yes. long, the, the extra long link in the yes. show notes. So yes. if you head to the show notes or go to the website for this episode, you can find that link there. And Shoshana, where can people um, connect with you if they uh, want to be in contact with you? They can connect with me through the Kiev Life Academy. They can 
visit that website, which is kievlifeacademy.com. They can also email me at kievlife36 at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, ladies, I am immensely grateful for your time and all the wisdom that you shared with me and the listeners today. And I hope you have extremely full, uh, fun, vibrant, uh, empowered sessions at the upcoming event. And I look forward to following your work and uh, picking up a copy of your book when it comes out. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist podcast, Voices from the Expressive Therapy Summit series. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Danielle Drake and Dr. Shoshana Simons. Uh, I really look forward to sharing the other conversation with their esteemed colleague that I had on a separate call, um, Dr. Mimi Savage. And um, it just sounds like they have such an amazing working relationship and uh, they're so also passionate about uh, the work that they do and um, really making sure that there's access to the expressive arts approaches, um, no matter what area or arena, whether that's in the classroom or in the administrative office or um, out in the community. And um, they were just so great to speak with. I, I hope you enjoyed listening. And if you're interested in um, taking any trainings uh, from them, they're going to be offering a variety of trainings at the upcoming Expressive Therapy Summit in Los Angeles. So that's uh, www.expressivetherapysummit.com and just click on the Los Angeles tab and it'll take you to um, a menu and you can click on program and that should allow you to search and see what's being offered. Um, and originally when we had the interview, uh, it was expected that the event was going to take place live in LA. However, um, due to, you know, COVID and the current climate of everything going on, uh, they have moved to completely online. So on one hand, it's sad, right? Because you know, here we are again, trying to meet together in person. I think a lot of people are missing the in-person events and, um, but for the safety of everybody that had to be pushed to online again, but on the positive, if you live on the other side of the country and you didn't want to, you know, fly out to New York, um, or excuse me to, if you didn't want to fly out to LA, um, you could attend online from anywhere. So uh, that's a, a positive. All right. Talk at you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.